latest Fifth Step podcast. Today, I'm here to interview Gavin Collins, who is Head of IT Leadership at Fifth Step. Uh, this is Gavin's first podcast, so I promise you'll be gentle with you today, Gavin. Thanks, Chris. You need to be gentle, because uh, as it's the first one, I'm feeling a tad nervous. Well, hopefully uh, that, that, that will change, I promise you, as we go along. <laughs> We're going to have a chat today about IT infrastructure roadmaps, Gavin, aren't we? So, so what, is a, uh, what is an infrastructure roadmap? Uh, the, the infrastructure roadmap really sits as part of the overall uh, IT strategy. It's the bit that's focused on infrastructure. And, and the reason we, we call it a roadmap um, is more to do with the way that we construct it. So with infrastructure, there's more certainty in some ways than there is around applications. Uh, and so as you start to look at the, th- the things that are included in the roadmap, like contract dates, renewals, um, hardware refreshes and those kind of activities, it, you, you get some degree of certainty over the activity you're having. So it sits within the context of an IT strategy, but it's focused on the infrastructure piece. And it's easier in some ways to do as a roadmap than it is um, a, a, a pure play strategy piece okay. because it's defined uh, outcomes. Can you sort of outline what a, what a roadmap looks like? Uh, I think I mean it's, I think they're going to vary between uh, organisations, but typically, um, you know, a roadmap needs to look forward into the future. So, in the first, um, you know, you're going to have a degree of certainty in the first year or two. You're going to have less certainty perhaps in the second to third year, and then your perhaps your third to your fifth year may be um, much more um, hypothetical or forward thinking and you're not necessarily going to do all the things that you say in your roadmap but it's setting the direction for the organisation and helping the the CIO to outline their strategy and communicate uh, both within their organisations and with the the rest of the business you know what the what the how the how the instruction will develop over that time frame. Well you mentioned CIO there so that's obviously the sort of person that would be would be primarily interested in this so uh, why would a CIO need your support in this particular area? How, how would you work with a CIO to complement the services they provide? Um, you know, CIOs have lots and lots of different activities, and we'll be talking about those over the next yep. you know, podcast that we do. Infrastructure is one of those areas. Um, and, you know, what I, the area that I think we help the most is um, to provide some real leadership expertise into an area where perhaps the, the CIO doesn't have um, the right skills to necessarily look at strategy, develop roadmaps, look at investment plans. There's so any skills they can have, I guess, these days. I mean, you know, when you look at the, the, the idea of the CIO skills of, say, 10 years ago, I mean, you know, there might maybe five or six core skills, but now there are probably 17, 18, 19, so it's, it's impossible for them to... Uh, and I uh, strategize yeah. all of those components. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So, and um, I, I think, but a, a key part of what we do is help the CIOs with capacity. So they'll typically have uh, people in their organisation looking after infrastructure. Uh, quite often, those people are quite technical. So yeah. yes, they're great at fixing server outages and sorting out email issues and doing those things. When it comes to putting a strategy together, linking it to the business strategy. And kind of developing investment plans, uh, that, you know, they won't necessarily have those skills. So we can help the CIO in their organisation, this particular space, to give him a pair of hands to do this for him, 
um, that doesn't necessarily have him doing all the work yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, amongst sure. all the other areas that he needs to do. So it's about enhancing the, um, the, 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 enhancing the CIO's position in the organisation, giving him that capacity to do the work. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the word you mentioned there was business, you know, linking into the business because a lot of businesses now are very highly dependent on IT in a way they never were before. So I guess what you're doing is not just advising maybe CIOs, but is there an element of providing them with the capacity to advise their, their, C, their CEOs or their chairman or the board of directors about the future of the business? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, organisations today need to have a strategy, digital first, you know, resonates with lots of people, um, you know, in, certainly in insurance. Uh, I don't think there's anyone still doing insurance uh, with quills and, and binders, right? Everything's pretty much electronic. Yes, there's still a lot of people walking around London with lots of paper, but that paper's slowly being digitised, is digitised, and it sits within systems. And a lot of that stuff sits on various elements of the overall infrastructure that sits within an organisation. And that infrastructure is, is getting old and, and, and it starts to creak. You, you only have to go back 20, 30, 25 years maybe. Yeah. And if you bought a laptop with a 2 megabyte drive, you thought you were doing well, right? You had a big one. And if you had 30 megabytes, my gosh, are you ever going to fill it? And, and now, of course, we talk about petabytes worth of data. <laughs> Um, and so that massive sort of increase in data has just driven, um, you know, it drives infrastructure and drives infrastructure to keep increasing capacity around storage, networks, processing power. So all of that stuff sits in the underlying core of a business in its infrastructure. And, and, and the, road, the infrastructure piece of an IT strategy is making sure the lights stay on, the services are provided and that there's the capacity and growth um, that's required to support all those business activities. Okay. I mean, so that's a, the, supporting the fundamentals of the business, but a word that's used quite a lot these days is innovation, uh, you know, helping, helping the modern, say, Lloyd's syndicates or you know, managing agents or, you know, up, up startups, the M managing general agents. Um, how how can, a, could, can a roadmap help you to plan for the future and to be a more innovative type of business? Um, it, absolutely, it can do. I think roadmaps probably are more suited to organisations who are somewhat more mature. Okay. Um, uh, typically, if you had a, a startup, you have a strategy, and within that strategy, you would include your infrastructure. You probably don't need to necessarily think specifically about infrastructure. It depends on the size of that, right, okay. and what you're buying and the application mix that you have. Larger organisations, certainly ones that have grown through acquisition or mergers, are you know potentially having hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of physical devices in their environment. Those physical devices kind of fit into the infrastructure space and 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 the roadmap. And so, you know, those those kind of need that level of um, oversight that perhaps you wouldn't need in a in a smaller startup. Okay. I'm quite sure that answered the question. No, I think I think uh, it did. I think it did. So, um, so what is what is the outline? Is there is there an outline of a roadmap? Well, as I, as I said earlier, you know the the, the outline. You know what you what you want to do. In, the reason for having a, a roadmap is to provide that method of communicating to 
not just the business, but other IP might see what's going to happen. So if you look at things, so a lot of, lot of people uh, at the moment, uh, if they haven't done already, are, are talking about, you know, should they go on a, a cloud strategy? Should they have an on-premise strategy? Will they have a blend? Mm. And, you know, there'll be decision points that will drive that. And that may be a data center renewal in two years. It may be a new application coming on stream that requires a lot of extra storage. So plotting those things into a roadmap and then say, okay, we can make a decision at this point and then choose, allows you to start thinking forward and predicting a little bit more about what that, what that strategy looks like and deflecting some noise. So if, you, if you're publishing that your data center is due for a, a renewal in two years' time, you can start saying, well, actually, I'm going to, I, need to, I need to be planning that 15, 18 months at least in advance. So next year, we're going to have a project to talk about data centers. And before that project, we're actually going to talk about whether we want to be cloud, whether we actually want to have a data center where it should be, uh, or you know, whether we want to get rid of it and, and move, move those, that processing out into the cloud. So that, all, all those things factor into that journey, if you like, over that timeline. Uh, and obviously you have more certainty, as I said earlier, in the, the shorter term than you would do in the longer term. Okay. Um, but having that longer term view, it also enables you to deflect questions from um, interested parties about why certain things haven't changed. So if you sign a 10-year deal, and there's lots of those out in the industry for something, obviously unless you unwind that deal, you're kind of locked in for 10 years. So you know, if you have a roadmap that says you know, in, in eight years' time, People might remember that they signed a deal two years ago. Otherwise, they're not going to remember that. So that, that helps to, to you know, cement that journey in people's minds and provide a vehicle for communications of that you know, to, to that wider audience. Sure. You said, I think you said before that roadmaps should be uh, living documents. So um, how often, I mean, I think you sort of touched on that just now, but how often would you typically update a, a, a roadmap as part of any overall IT strategy? Uh, I, I, I would advocate doing it on an annual basis. Right. You'll typically do a number of different activities every year. Uh, and that may be uh, your, your strategy or your operating plan for the year. Uh, you'll do a budget and a forecast for the year. Uh, and the roadmap should really be the precursor to that. So the roadmap should inform your budget. It should inform your strategy. Uh, and you know, it, it all comes together into one set of cohesive activity. The reason we've pulled roadmaps out is to um, to provide some differentiation and, and some conversations to talk about really around specific pieces of the you know the, in the life of a CIO yeah, yeah. Uh, that they have to do on a on a basis and, and on an annual basis and this is one of those particular things. Okay, and, and uh, how how would a roadmap say, for example, support business agility and change? Um, and how, how can it do that in a way that provides value? <laughs> that's, that's a key question. That's a good the, question. The $24 million question. Uh, you, you know, the, uh, uh, I, so when I talk to anybody about infrastructure, there's, you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a set of scales. And on the one side, you know, when people switch their infrastructure on, whether that be the phone, whether they connect to the network, let's expect it to work. Hmm. So you... And so you've got to, it's got to be highly available and it's got to perform, right? So you've got to have those two things. The, 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 the converse side of that, if you're not careful, is everybody wants things to change really quickly. They want to be able to respond. And so you, from an infrastructure perspective, you're balancing those two sometimes conflicting demands mm, yeah. uh, um, uh, 
across the enterprise because you've got to deal with both. And so how you manage that and deal with it is part of the infrastructure strategy, if you like, and that, you know, that will become reflected in the roadmap. Um, but yeah, it has to work. It has to be on. Um, these days, we're 24 by 7 type organisations, yeah. so you know, infrastructure runs pretty much all the time. And you know, I'm working with a number of organisations that are trying to get rid of uh, patch windows and patch outages, and you know, it just it just becomes very you know, it's complicated. There's a lot to deal with, a lot of engineering effort that is very hidden from everybody. You'll be pleased to know uh, <laughs> it just works. Um, but yeah, there's you know, there's a lot of stuff to do, and, and those things kind of not necessarily bubble to the surface in the roadmap, but the whole agility, stability, balance. Uh, is, is a key one that needs to be considered okay. when you're developing roadmaps. Okay, well, there are a couple of decisions you have to make, I suppose, when it comes to infrastructure, aren't there? I mean, one of those is, you know, in-house or, or do you outsource? So, uh, what, yeah, I touched on this uh, a few minutes ago. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's going to be different strokes for, for different folks, as they say. Um, certainly doing a cost evaluation of the two is absolutely critical and deciding where your business is. Uh, I think increasingly um, data protection is going to become more of an issue and how you store, use and consume data and how the cloud providers step up to the challenges of proving where your data actually is. You know, it should be encrypted if it uh, requires to be so, but uh, which gives it a, you know a, a lot of protection, but you know the the evidence of where that is and how it's stored. So there's the cloud providers have, have got to have got to deal with that. Um, but you know when you're looking at it from a, if you want to keep stuff on premise, you've got a lot of overheads within your organisation to deal with. You have to uh, patch hardware, you have to patch the software, yeah. you have to run operations, you have to back it up, you have to plan for your disaster recovery. You've got to work out how your network's going to work in that place. There's a lot of play stuff to do around uh, internal disaster recovery and what you, that looks like from an internal perspective. Those things all exist. You just have to worry about those and think about those from a cloud perspective. But some of the operational stuff goes away. You don't necessarily care what type of hardware yeah. you're running on. You don't necessarily care what type of storage. You don't have to do the engineering effort that's required to map the, the storage, that's all kind of taken care of for you or it's done through a relatively simple GUI. But you, you need people in your organisation that understand how to use those things, how to leverage them. Uh, there's some, loads of cost models out there. Um, I'm not sure that there's necessarily um, any one that I would say is better than the other. Um, you know, the, uh, it just it, it does depend on the, on the circumstances for the organisation that the strategy that they're trying to adopt. And certainly, you know, cloud is a much easier way of providing agility and flexibility sure. because you can much easy, much more easily turn it on and turn it off once you've set, and certainly if you've set up an arrangement with a cloud service provider, um, that, that, that ability to switch on, switch off is, is clearly there. The thing with cloud service providers is that they, they really make their money when you don't manage what you put up there. And what we see in lots of organisations is they don't really manage their estates. Uh, and when I say manage, turning stuff off, and uh, anyone who's in infrastructure is probably chortling now saying, we never turn anything <laughs> off. Um, and, and not because they don't want to, but because no one agrees that we should turn applications off. So in a, in a cloud world, you would be adding your operational costs 
right. out forever because every time you put something in the cloud and you never turn it off, you've got that cost forever. One of the advantages for insurance companies is they may have old systems sitting in their data centers, um, but they may not be paying very much for those because they can sweat those assets uh, until they um, sort of d d dissolve into tumbleweed to a certain extent, but certainly within the seven, 25 years that they're, they're looking to, if they choose to do so. So you've got, that's a lot of the balancing that's uh, required in this. I suppose security is a, is a key key consideration uh, in a lot of what you're doing at the moment, obviously, in, in the, especially in the, the cyber and the, the, the data privacy environment that we, we're currently in. And I think you alluded to that earlier on, so things like you know, the general data protection regulation uh, and, and, and other things that impact on privacy. How, how could your roadmap help to provide comfort to a CIO that's worried about those concerns? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the roadmap's purpose is not really to provide that level of comfort. No. Um, but obviously, when you develop initiatives in your roadmap, they will almost certainly have a security component. Yeah. So if your strategic decision, for example, is to go to Office 365, and there's lots of people doing that, or... I guess the alternative is Google and Google Docs, then you need to consider you know, the, the security of those systems. Um, typically, they are seen as infrastructure-type choices rather than um, business agility choices. And they come with you know, extra storage. They come with uh, th their own concerns. They are cloud-based. There's a whole load of um, considerations around security. But the roadmap in itself won't okay. necessarily give you that you, you know, your control framework that you adopt um, should be where you would get your most comfort over over the over those controls. All right, then. So let's move on from that. Then. So in terms of you know the benefits of uh, having a roadmap are many, but what are what are the main ones in your opinion? Uh, for me, the key one is the investment planning. You because once you start to look at what your organisation is going to look like and be doing over the next two to four or five years you can really start to think about how that investment should look. So, uh, you know, if you have large projects, you've got a data centre move to do, or you've got some consolidation to do, or big office moves. And once you start to see those, you can then start to put a number around them, and that allows you then to forecast out and plan around that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're short of money, you know, have you got an option to um, spread a project over two years? But actually, still do it in six months. But do three, you know, Q4, Q1 type projects is one way of, uh, of mitigating that a little bit. Uh, the other way is, you know, once you start looking ahead, is to engage with the finance folks to look at different ways of funding projects. Mm. Um, do you want to uh, capitalise everything? Um, you know, do you want to expense some stuff? Um, can you buy a service that wraps up some of the capital investment for you? So just pay a service fee. You know, there, there are myriads of ways of managing investment, but if you don't know what you're planning to do, and it all comes as a surprise, it all becomes very rushed and very hectic, whereas the roadmap really allows you to, um, you know, see, to see that in advance and to, to manage it. Okay. In terms of, um, you know, what, what can you, you do to you know, support, um, you know, the CIO and then in the development of a roadmap strategy? Uh, you know, our expertise and, and, and FISTEC's capabilities are around, you know, in helping CIOs, IT leaders, IT directors to, to look good. 
So what we can provide is that extra pair of hands that you may not have in your organisation to spend the time to put you know, an IT strategy and infrastructure roadmap in place that then helps you to manage your organisation, manage your leaders, manage your peers, or even manage your team, depending on, on, on where you sit. Um, so you know, we, we can sit there, we have the expertise and the knowledge, you know, we can talk about perhaps things that are uh, outside of the, uh, the normal boundaries of the team that you, you have in place. You know, lots of teams out, look outwards, but equally sometimes it's really helpful to have somebody coming in with a fresh pair of eyes and perspective to help to, to shape some of this stuff and ask, ask perhaps some of those difficult questions and define uh, you know, a, a, a formalised um, document that you can then use as a basis to move forward. Sure. Um, you know, and as well as as well as, well as doing the roadmapy type stuff and the IT strategy, um, you know, it will spawn projects. And so, you know, with our, within our change practice, we have, uh, in this case, uh, infrastructure project managers that we can bring in to actually execute and run and deliver projects that might be generated out of the roadmap. What do you think? Uh, you know, it's two thousand and seventeen now. So, what what, what do you think is going to be on the list of uh, CIO priorities this year or over the next six days, twelve months? Wow. Um, I, I, I think we've touched on a couple already, Chris. Um, I think definitely cloud and on-premise yeah. um, will be there. Um, I think Office 365, um, I think most people will have either decided to do it, not decided to do it, or it's still to be done. And I mm. think there's probably a lot of people who want to do it, but it's going to take a while to do. So those are perhaps two of the big infrastructure ones. Does that, um, what about say that portable technology, like you know the mo mobile technology? I've been speaking to you know I speak to a lot of people in the London market. I spoke to some claims managers the other day who were talking about how they were starting to they work from home a bit more and they they were looking for technology that, that allowed them to do that. Is that sort of thing on people's radars? I I I would expect that most organisations today have remote working as part of their toolkit. It will be in there, in the systems, in the infrastructure. Yes, it definitely falls out of the roadmap. Mm. I, I'm not sure I see any major activity. Maybe, maybe virtual desktops. So virtual desktops are where um, you buy your computer in a data center somewhere and you just use your mobile device or a browser to access that computer and it accesses and then it accesses your home system. That, yeah. may, that may, you know, I'm seeing there's a lot of activity around that. It's not necessarily the cheapest way of delivering IT, but it does have the advantage of keeping your data under control. And maybe that data um, driver will for, you know, make that more of an activity. But um, okay. I, I think, for, you know, from an... Uh, I think that the big challenge is probably from an infrastructure perspective is going to be storage still. That exponential rise in storage means that you know it's it's a, an annual challenge to keep up uh, to speed and just swapping out disks or adding extra SANs or whatever it is that the mechanism is that that's probably the one of the bigger challenges for the infrastructure folks. Um, but you know we we're coming up to some interesting times. AI is coming in. Blockchain. I was going to say stuff like data. We haven't even uh, touched data. on things like data or well, analytics. Well, well, we? well, the data is the storage, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. you know part, that that's where I, oh, I've talked about storage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know as well in terms of the application of that. And the, yeah, and, and as AI and blockchain become more prevalent, they they'll generate different solution requirements, perhaps different um, needs. And and AI is interesting because there's a lot of stuff 
that um, I guess that you know you you're in the cloud is already done somewhat automated, and so maybe more of that coming in, and we'll see some more AI type solutions for the provisioning, management, and and delivery of sales. To be uh, like a theme, maybe for another podcast. It could be, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, well, maybe let's touch on that in 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 the next one that we do. But I think that's pretty much you know concluded this one for today. I hope that wasn't too painful for you. No, I'm I'm through. So (laughs) ready for the next one. Through to the other (laughs) side. Brilliant. Okay. Well. um, well, like I said, we're going to be doing a few more of these podcasts over the coming months in 2017. I, Gavin, Gavin is also working, he's actually sharpening his quill uh, as well uh, to start writing a few podcasts. So I think one, once the, one, of the, one of the upcoming uh, sorry, uh, blogs that you'll be doing um, is going to be touching on this theme too. So you'll be able to, anyone listening to this podcast will also be able to have a good read of what, what we've been talking about. Yep. You'll be able to see that. Uh, on the in the uh, on the fifth step website. So if you go to www.fifthstep.com and that's uh, f i f t h s t e p dot com, uh, you'll find lots of good stuff from Gavin on there, and also from our other writers, people like Darren Ray and Wayne, um, have also written a number of uh, pieces. So just force me to say thank you very much. It's been very instructive and uh, useful yeah. today. Yeah, thanks, Chris, and everyone out there. Thank, please uh, like us on yeah. iTunes or Intune or however you manage to uh, get hold of us today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.